Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here in Malmo. It's my first time. And what I want to talk about today is something which I think comes down to very concrete things you can do. So Dario was talking about what happens system level. And what I want to talk about now is what happens if you are actually trying to build an organization like a company or a government agency or a not-for-profit that is trying to do something new. What are some design principles that you have to take into account when you're doing something like that? So I, I want to say where I come from, right? So I am a researcher, I'm an ethnographer by training, I used to work in tech, but I think about innovation because I look at people who do innovation work, and I try and understand how it is that they do it, how do they design their teams so that they're better at coming up with good problems to solve and then solving them well. But I did it in the context of looking at food. So I used to study high-end restaurant R&D teams because, as you know, food is a place where innovation happens all the time. It happens very fast. And if you look at teams that are very good at doing innovation, in general, you can figure out whether or not the things that they do to design themselves can be applied not just in food but elsewhere as well. And I think that they can. So I look at people who produce stuff like this. You know, these are new combinations of flavors. They also produce things like new ways of cooking and new ingredients to use, new technologies for producing ingredients. And sometimes they also do things like design new ways of thinking about what the experience of dining might be. So all these kinds of things that are new, they have analogs in other kinds of industries as well. Um, the kinds of teams that I work at, they actually look a lot like innovation teams in a lot of other places, right? So I used to work in chemistry a little bit, and this looks a lot like a chem lab because it actually is a chemistry lab. But this is a food R&D team. This is Nathan Mirvold's uh, innovation team at the cooking lab in um, Bellevue, Washington. So I, I wanted to just quickly summarize what I'm going to say in the rest of this talk so you know where I'm going. But one thing which I wanted to just start by pointing out is that we design organizations by deciding how they work. And these decisions are really mundane, but they determine the shape of the organizations that we build, right? So things like how and who we choose to hire, how we choose to set goals for the organization, and how we choose to motivate people to achieve those goals, these are the ways that we design organizations. Now, the way we design these decisions often depends on assumptions that we don't even realize that we have. And I think Daria spoke a lot about uh, this fact that we are facing a world that is increasingly complex, interconnected, and therefore increasingly uncertain. Things are happening that we cannot predict because all these different complex things are interacting in ways that we cannot understand and we cannot predict in advance. Now, to design an innovative organization, you actually need to think about one fundamental thing, and it's that doing new things is not risky. It's actually inherently uncertain, right? The reason for this is because not knowing what the future will be and how we will get there is actually the only way that innovation is possible. If you knew exactly what was going to happen and how you would get there, nothing new would be possible at all. Unfortunately, if you are a, an organization and you are designing yourself by figuring out how you hire or how you set goals or how you motivate people, generally you do things the conventional way. This is what I mean by mundane stuff that nobody thinks about. And all these mundane ways of hiring, of goal setting, of motivating people, they tend to be organized around the idea of risk management. And what this does is it produces organizations that find it incredibly hard, in fact, I would say impossible, to change, to adapt, to learn how to do new things. So designing for innovation work, I think, means taking uncertainty very seriously and building it into how organizations work in the first place. 
And so today, I want to talk about three things. I want to explain, because I keep talking about the difference between risk and uncertainty. I want to explain what the difference is. Then I want to talk about what I call an uncertainty mindset. And then I want to talk about how an uncertainty mindset affects the way you design these very mundane things about how organizations work. So risk is not the same thing as true uncertainty. And the difference is subtle, but it's incredibly important. Both risk and uncertainty involve not knowing exactly what the future will be and how we will get there. But the important thing about risk is we think in a situation of risk that we know a lot about not knowing. Right? So we know all the possible outcomes that could happen, and we know how likely they are given actions that we take. If you're in such a situation of risk, you can calculate what to do. You know, these are rational expectations. Uh, risk is uncertainty that is calculable, mathematically reducible. You can get rid of it by risk management. Uncertainty, on the other hand, is different. If you're in a situation of uncertainty, you don't know what all the possible outcomes might be. You don't know the relationship between your actions and the outcomes that might happen. And in some cases, you don't even know which outcomes you prefer. Right? This kind of uncertainty, which I call true uncertainty, this is not my word, by the way, this is like Nobel laureate Frank Knight's words, uh, but it's true, true uncertainty is not mathematically calculable. And this has really big implications, especially if you're trying to do innovation work. So just to illustrate with a quick example, um, if you go back 25, 30 years, the idea that we would have phones like this that are not only not connected to the wall by a wire, but are also able to do things that phones generally can do, like you know, make and receive calls, nobody would even have imagined that such an outcome was possible, except for a rare set of visionaries. Right? And it's the fact that there are people who can imagine a situation where there are outcomes that don't exist yet that is what allows innovation to happen. What this means is that innovation itself is only possible if you are able to understand that the world can be something which you cannot expect yet, and you can imagine something that doesn't exist, and you can turn it into reality. This is what innovation work actually is. So just to say, true uncertainty, which is not the same thing as risk, it shows up when you're unsure of a few kinds of things. You're unsure about what actions are possible in the first place, what outcomes actions produce, what outcomes are possible, and also what outcomes are desirable. I think a lot of this goes to things that Dario was talking about, where you, know, you can create, for instance, a very efficient electric car, but if you embed it in an ecosystem context where more transportation, people moving around a lot is desired, it's more extractive, this innovation, which is new, produces an outcome which is itself not desirable. Right? So the uncertainty that all of, this kind, all of these different kinds of not knowing produce, we need to navigate that. And innovation work is about navigating these different kinds of uncertainty. So I, I just want to illustrate why it's so important to react correctly to a situation that is truly uncertain with an uncertainty-favoring mindset. Um, we keep talking about COVID because COVID is so important. We're living in it still. Uh, but this is a, um, a slightly edited screenshot from the World Health Organization's uh, press release in February 2020, two years ago where they talk about how the World Health Organization continues to not recommend even the temporary suspension of international travel because of this, a careful risk assessment. Now, with hindsight, it's very easy to say that they should have recommended a temporary suspension in travel because, as we found out, 
it actually turns out that the consequences of not shutting down travel for a long time are incredibly expensive, right? We're still living with it. But if you have a risk assessment in a situation which is truly uncertain, sometimes you can have very expensive and unpleasant results. So this is why it's really important to distinguish clearly between risk and uncertainty and to understand that when you're trying to do innovation work, you're actually dealing with uncertain work, not risky work. Anyway, um, I think that's what I was trying to say. So essentially, to do innovation work, your organization has to be designed for uncertainty, not just risk. And to organize for uncertainty, your organization should have an uncertainty mindset. And what that is, is essentially a way of thinking about the future that changes the way you act, right? This is what mindsets do. Mindsets are just assumptions that we have about the world that we act in. If we assume that the world is risky, we act in risky ways or we act in risk-mitigating ways, and then that produces outcomes that prevent us from doing new things. If instead we assume that the world is uncertain in the future, then we act in different ways, and the outcomes are more likely to produce innovation. So if you explicitly acknowledge that the world that you're in is an uncertain world, you already have the uncertainty mindset, and what it means is that you can then do things differently from convention. Right? If you're designing an organization, you can design an organization that works differently because your mindset is different. So this is how organization design works if you have a risk mindset. You assume that what needs to be done won't change. You assume that the success outcomes that you've defined are concrete and also don't change. And what that does is you design job roles to be stable and clearly defined you set and pursue concrete, stable goals, and you incentivize people to achieve predefined outcomes. Right? Th this is what I, I don't know if any of you are in organizations that don't do this, but this is what nearly every organization does by default. This is the conventional way of designing an organization. Um, and like I said, organizations that are shaped by a risk mindset, they're naturally resistant to change because everything is assumed to be stable, predictable, you know it in advance. Fantastic, thank you. Um, but so, anyway, so th this is what happens in organizations by default. I, I'm not saying that people are doing this maliciously, it's just because this is what MBAs teach you to do, right? And I teach at a business school, so I know that this is what management academics tend to talk about because this is how you do management research. You look at companies that have worked in the past, and as we know, the past is not any indication of what the future should be like. And if you look at companies that were successful in more stable times, it's not so surprising that you design your organizations to look like them but maybe we're not in stable times anymore. Maybe we're in uncertain times. So if we are in uncertain times, sorry, if you're in uncertain times, what are some design principles for designing organizations that can deal with this that also means that they are able to innovate a lot more? So have an uncertainty mindset. What does that mean? Um, it basically means this. If you want to have an uncertainty mindset, you have to do some things differently. And these things may seem very counterintuitive, but in fact, as a consultant, I do this in organizations. It is possible to do them. It's just your HR departments, your strategy people, maybe your leadership will find it a little bit worrying, but maybe give it a shot, right? So some of the things that you might do is you might, instead of having job roles that are only stable and clearly defined, you might have job roles that are designed to adapt as the situation changes. Instead of having goals that you set that are concrete, successful outcomes, you might have a different way of setting goals. I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about these in a little bit. And instead of incentivizing the achievement of predefined milestones, you might have a different way of motivating people to do things, right? Motivating people to learn how to fail and not just avoid situations where they might fail. Um, I 
I know that I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to go through this very quickly, but I'm happy to talk about it later to anyone who's interested. Uh, I think when I talk about having roles that are not just stable and predefined, what I'm talking about is these roles that I call open-ended. And in fact, most of the people in this room probably have roles that are implicitly open-ended. You do things in the organization that your role doesn't say you should do, but you think needs to be done, right? How many of you do that, actually? I've always done that. What I'm saying with making open-ended roles explicit is, as the organization, you should say something like, your job is 80% this, and you need to do that, and 20%, we don't know, you tell us, and make sure that you explain why it's good for the organization. It's as simple as that. And it can, because everyone already does it, clearly it must be doable. If you make it explicit, what it does is it makes the process of learning what should be in a role part of the process of becoming a person who works in that role. It allows organizations to have roles that evolve as the needs on the organization change. Right? It's a very, very practical and doable thing because it's already being done, we just don't talk about it. Um, I talked about having goals that are not just concrete, let's achieve this particular outcome. Instead of that, you should set open-ended goals that talk about how you know when you're successful and what are you willing to give up and not willing to give up to be successful in that way. And what that does, to go back to the electric car example, is it helps you figure out a situation and a way of talking about successful outcomes that doesn't just say, let's develop something new like better electric car technology. It might force you to make a statement like, we want to find a way to make it possible for people to travel less, rather than say, we need to build a car that can go 100 miles on a single charge, right? Those two can have equivalent outcomes, but one of them specifies what a success looks like without saying how that success would concretely work. And it also implicitly talks about what trade-offs are acceptable to make and what trade-offs are not acceptable to make. And then the third thing, um, and this is the part that I know everyone here has implicitly done before, it's that when we incentivize people to achieve a specific outcome, you are making them do that one thing, right? You're preventing them from trying things that they may not know how to do because they might fail at doing it. If instead what you do is you do what I call desperation by design, when you commit a person or a team to doing something which is just beyond their ability, they get desperate, and not necessarily in a bad way, right? What it does is it forces them to learn how to do something that they don't know how to do yet, change the way they work so that they can maybe work together in different ways to do something that previously was not possible. And what this does is it forces teams to learn the ability to learn, right? So I think open-ended roles and open-ended goals give opportunities for change that are naturally baked into how organizations work. And desperation by design creates the environment in which this kind of learning can happen. Okay, so I'm nearly done. Um, I, I just wanted to quickly summarize what I said before. I think mindsets about not knowing affect the way organizations are shaped. This is the way we do organization design. Because risk is not the same thing as uncertainty and innovation work is uncertain, not risky, conventional organization design driven by the risk mindset produces organizations that can't innovate. It's as simple as that, right? Not can't innovate. They find it super hard, right? They, it goes against the design of the organization because organizations that are designed around risk don't like to change, don't like to fail. So, if you want to design an organization, this is a very concrete statement. If you want to design an organization that can come up with new ideas, you, you should have an uncertainty mindset, right? You should have an uncertainty mindset that changes how you hire, set goals, motivate, and a whole bunch of other things that organizations do so that you can make your organization able to learn and change. So, 
don't do the stuff on the left, do the stuff on the right. And if you want to know more about all of these things, I mean, in 20 minutes, how much can I say? Uh, it's all in this book that I came up with a few years ago. It, it actually is supposed to be quite fun to read. It's about restaurants, but then you can also use it to think about how businesses in other industries work. And if you want to also think about how, as people, we can learn. So, Rafaela said, I hate uncertainty. It's true, but I've learned how to deal with it. Uh, I think we need to train ourselves to be more okay with the discomfort that comes from being uncertain. And I've actually built some tools for doing this individually and in groups. Uh, and you can find out more about all those things uh, up here. Anyway, uh, all done. Thank you. Uh,